Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme and today, Tuesday, it being Budget Day, we will get to hear what is going to be contained in Pascal Donoghue's budget for 2020, even though you open up any newspaper today and there's much speculation as to what's going to be contained in it. And I imagine if you printed off what was in the papers today and then print off what's contained in the budget this afternoon when it appears in tomorrow's papers, it'll probably be exactly the the same. There has been very few years that it hasn't been leaked exactly what is in the budget and we will talk again today on the programme, take a look at more information that seems to be leaking out from various different government ministers and TDs and the whole notion is nobody gets any real surprise when Pascal Donoghue stands up to make his speech today which is at one o'clock, which is earlier than normal. It's normally a little bit later than that but um, I'm told his, uh, the budget speech is going to begin at one o'clock uh, today so we will know all in a few hours time. Now yesterday we had lots of people ringing in with their various opinions on what's expected from the budget. One of the ones that I think we got the most reaction to is the the uh, the fact that there will be, we know for sure there's going to be a carbon tax carbon tax is going to increase and that means as in from midnight tonight the price of a litre of petrol and the price of a litre of diesel will go up home. Heating oil we're expecting that won't increase until certainly into the new year. I think they'll get at the worst of the winter bypasses first but for motorists we will all be paying more as in from midnight uh, tonight. And Tim, these are just some of the texts that got left over from yesterday we didn't get around to. Tim says the motorists as motorists were always seen as a soft target by government increasing fuel by way of the so-called carbon tax. It's it's just another means of collecting revenue. The most offering us, they're not offering us any real alternative to the cars that we are driving. They've suggested electric cars, but electric cars on the whole are overpriced and beyond most people's reach. So we're being penalised by simply not being able to afford an electric car. And I think Tim has a, a valid point in, in, yeah, the electric cars are expensive. And for a 
it's it's different if it's a luxury. Like when they decide to increase the price of packs of cigarettes, people will say, well, you can survive without cigarettes and you're probably better off if you were surviving without cigarettes by giving up. And that's not taken from people that are addicted to cigarettes. But when it comes to a car, a car is not always a luxury. There probably was a time when people viewed cars as a luxury. And now for people living, certainly those living in rural areas that don't have public transport, it's a necessity. It's not a luxury. There are people who simply could not survive without the car. I mean, for those of us that live in urban areas, if you were to take the car away, if something was to happen and your car was to be gone in the morning, you would still survive. You'd be able to walk to places. Uh, you might be, if you were able to afford taxis, you could get taxis. You know, you would survive. Though for people who are living in very rural areas, while, you know, people say, well, can't they get taxis as well? It's the cost uh, factor of it. They can't just walk to the local shop. They may have to drop their children to school, for, for example. So in a rural, so whenever you get increases like this, like carbon tax increase, certainly people in rural areas are the ones that are much more affected by a tax like this than people who live in uh, urban areas. Uh, So we welcome your thoughts and comments on that. Then we had a number of people who contacted us yesterday about the fact that what's expected in the budget today will be an extension of the free GP card cards to children. At the moment it's for children up to the age of six but it's expected after today that that's going to be extended to eight-year-olds even though if you're a family with young children don't have a party yet because that's not going to be introduced until next year but you can see the pattern and what they're doing in trying to make GP free to families and and to children. That led to a number of people complaining that since the introduction of free GP cards for children, some are finding it harder and harder to get an appointment at a doctor's surgery because so many parents are now bringing their children to the doctor because it's free to go to the doctor. Whereas if they were paying 50 or 60 euro or when they had to pay 50 or 60 euro, they weren't going to the doctor half as much as they're doing now, but they're going now because it is uh, free. And people feel that that needs to be looked at again, but not everyone. Some people think it's a fantastic scheme and long may it last, including this texter who says, Hi Patricia, listening to your show, I think all children should be free to attend the GP up to the age of 16 at least. You will always have people abusing the system. So why should genuine people have to suffer just because some will abuse the system by bringing their children too often? When my children were young, if they were sick, no, I mean really sick, we always had to pay as we did not qualify for a medical card. Uh, We were always just over the threshold to qualify. I actually remember one year we were just £50 over the limit for that year to qualify for a medical card. My own children now have families of their own. They're all working and they're just getting by and having to pay out for the doctor in the middle of the week can be extremely difficult when you haven't budgeted for it and believe me they do not run to the doctor for any little sniff, sniffle. Why? Because they're simply too busy working. That's a Mitchellstown uh, listener who enjoying the programme and loves the comments. Thank you for that and thank you for adding your comment to the many comments that we receive. Now Sandy said that uh, Sandy was at the doctor twice in re- recent le- weeks and there was no children at the surgery on either occasion. So Sandy is not noticing an increase in children at, at, at his doctor's practice. Jude fears for people's health, the fact that GP surgeries have become so busy. Uh, and Jude makes the point, if somebody is very nervous about making that first contact 
about going to a doctor, be it for a medical complaints that they might be burying their sa- head in the sand about that, you know, that they're fearful, may need further investigation, you know, a lump that they've been ignoring. Or it could be somebody who is battling mental health issues, maybe battling depression and has been putting it on the long finger about going to the doctor and suddenly they get brave, pick up the phone to ring to make an, an appointment to be told no, no appointment available today and that they may have to wait a few days or even up to a week as we heard somebody yesterday when they rang looking for a doctor's uh, appointment. Jude says that could be the one, that little negativity in not being able to get an appointment. They could chicken out and then decide not to go to the GP at all. Serious health uh, issues could be affecting people without them even knowing it and just because they're nervous about going to the doctor, if they don't get an appointment, they may not go at all. Uh, 1850 and on old age pensioners and it is looking now highly likely that old age pensioners will not be getting an increase in their weekly payment. People, I mean, God, only last week we had a loan on here looking for €7 Euro a week extra and €7 Euro every year for the next three years so that in three years' time the old age pension would have gone up by €21. Euro. And when I was talking with Sean Moynihan, I was saying, very ambitious of you to look for €7, Euro, but my gut instinct was you'd come away with five and probably a lot of old age pensioners would be happy with it. But I never thought that there would actually be a budget where the old age pensioners will get nothing but it is looking like this year will be the year that uh, old age pensioners will not be getting any additional in the weekly payment. Now they will tweak it in other ways to help older people so it isn't all bad news for old age pensioners but this is a budget that's been framed with a no deal Brexit in mind and therefore they have to have contingency funds available to support business, tourism and other areas if we are hit by a hard Brexit. But John in Cove was on to us when we were talking about old age pensioners because we had some pensioners who were very annoyed yesterday at the thought that they wouldn't be getting any increase in the budget. John says, what should happen with old age pensioners is give them food vouchers rather than give them money. John, Now, is this John in Cove that was on to us last week as well? John is of the view that there are many old age pensioners who are hoarding up money and that that needs to stop and he reckons one way for that to stop would be instead of giving old age pensioners money every week by way of a pension you would give them food vouchers so therefore the vouchers would have to be spent and the idea would be if they weren't spent you know they'd have a sell by date on them so if they didn't use them in exchange for food they would be gone and and he reckons that's going to stop what he feels this is John in Cove he feels there are a lot of older people who are hoarding up money and as I say I'm assuming that's the same John who contacted us last we can cause consternation. We had so many people annoyed with uh, John in Cove. 1850-333-103. Your budget day thoughts, please. We welcome them throughout the morning. Now, coming up on the show uh, today, we're going to be asking, is Cork becoming a lawless city? Are people afraid to go out on the streets of the city, particularly at night time? Is there an increase in antisocial behaviour? Is there an increase in assaults on our streets, an increase in robbery on our streets? It came up with the Cork City Joint Policing Committee meeting this week, so we're going to talk about it in more detail. Uh, we also, in advance of a public meeting that's happening tonight in Canturk. We're going to discuss the future of Canturk Community Hospital. Now Canturk Community Hospital came under the spotlight a couple of years ago with a HICWA report that wasn't too 
favourable for Cantor Hospital but a lot of work has been done at the hospital since now there's been a follow up report that was done in July that was certainly positive in that it showed improvement but it showed there was improvement but more work needed to be done but I know that when we mentioned Cantor Hospital people were very upset to even hear that there was any negativity towards the hospital again it's one of those community hospitals we have so many of them dotted across not just this county they're all over the country and they are just held in such high esteem by the local communities. It's fantastic and so many local groups all over the country have set up, you know, friends of the local community hospital and they fundraise and they do whatever bit they can to try to help to make life more comfortable for the residents of these community hospitals. So, and I believe Canturk are going to go down that same route at this meeting tonight. So we'll find out a little bit more uh, about that. Uh, have you or how much do you know about Lyme's disease or have, do, you, do you know of somebody with Lyme's disease? Was there anybody in your family? Is anybody in your family suffering from Lyme's disease? What do we do to protect ourselves from Lyme's disease which is which is carried by a tick and if you're somebody that goes out and walks a lot or maybe you bring your dogs out for walks we're all at dangers, danger from getting a bite from a tick that could go on to give us Lyme's disease. So we've got a doctor joining us on the programme. So if you've got a specific question about Lyme's disease, get it in because as I say, a doctor will join us a little bit later on on the programme today. I'm also, by the way, this is a story we're running on our news service, going to speak with the daughter of that lady that's missing. It's a 67-year-old lady who's described as quite vulnerable and she has gone missing from the Gary Vaux area. She was last seen before 11 o'clock last Saturday night and it's like she's disappeared into thin air and obviously for her family this is a very very distressing time so her daughter is going to join us on the programme uh, today and the idea is by talking about her mum uh, we might just trig somebody's memory somebody may have seen something that at the time they didn't think was unusual and now maybe thinking yeah it is a bit unusual and also obviously putting a call out to that general area for people to have a look in, you know if you've got a holiday home maybe a mobile home I mean Gary Vaux would be an area that would have a lot of holiday homes and, and mobile homes that may Maybe, you know, maybe she's in one of those. Maybe, she, maybe she's a bit confused. Uh, so we're going to get people to just keep a lookout for this uh, lady. We'll talk more about that uh, later on. We also have details of a special summit for young people with disabilities that's going to be held in Croke Park uh, in two, about two weeks, just under two weeks uh, time. And it's a summit that's never been done before. So it's uh, interesting. It's the first of its kind. We'll find out a little bit more about it. And it is Tuesday. So Joe Heffernan will join us in the final hour of the programme program today and Joe today is going to be discussing lifestyle awareness. By the way we had a call um, earlier this morning from Bandingar the station to tell us that a gent's wedding ring was handed in to the Garda station in Bandon yesterday. It was found at Dunmore Cove. Now it is an inscription on the inside that says I love you and it's signed Sinead. So Sinead's hobby has lost his wedding ring uh, and he lost it in Dunmore Cave. If that rings a bell or if you know who Sinead's hobby is, can you contact Banting the station please on 023-885-2239 023-885-2239 uh, I'm sure 
Sinead and Hobby will be delighted to get that ring back and we've put a picture up on the C103 Facebook and uh, Twitter page as well if you want to get a look at that engagement ring and thank you to Mary and Carrie Galine who said she was at the Dockers play last night in Cork she said it's a very famous Cork play it was fantastic she said I really enjoyed it if people are looking for something to do it's on at the Father Matthew Hall and it's the the, the Dockers it's the it's a play written by Marion White. Now, it takes place in and around the Docklands and the north side suburbs of Cork, but it's a play that could be set in any harbour city in the world. It's described as timeless, universal story of the plight and the fight of the working man and the formidable women and families who support them. Uh, I can see that it's on the For the Matthew Hall. I just don't know how long it is on for. We might get that uh, checked. But thank you for the recommendation. I always love when we get first-hand recommendations or if people win tickets to something here, for example, in the programme and they go off and they really enjoy it and they come back and let us know so that others can go along to see it. So thank you for that uh, to Mary in Carrigaline for that recommendation. If you want a good night out for the Matthew Hall to see the play, the uh, the Dockers. And a man's wallet was found just this morning at Hurley Centre in Mallow. It does contain cards, uh, etc. If that is yours, 85 146 7626. 185 146 7626. And just quickly, a couple of texts in on the budget and on kind of climate change. We'll tie the two in together. Morning, Patricia. I'm disgusted with this government. They're able to give themselves a pay rise in recent weeks, yet now we're hearing that the elderly and the poorest families in this country, i.e. those living on social welfare, will be getting nothing in today's uh, budget. They seem to be more worried about Brexit, but yet they weren't worried about Brexit when they gave themselves their own pay rises. I'm disgusted with this government, says a texture. There's no name on that. And someone else says, Patricia, what kind of a country do we live in where I have to get up at 6.30 every morning to go to work? My return trip is 90 miles. That costs me 70 euros a week in diesel alone. And then we have climate change groups making a nuisance of themselves around the streets. I wonder how many of them are paying tax like I am. Are these guys paying anything? Not to mention, do they work? If they were guard, they vet it. What would be the result, I wonder? So, and I'm assuming that that person is given out about the, the Extinction Rebellion group. There was up to 500 of them took part in what was a mock funeral for Planet Earth outside the gates of the Dáil yesterday. They pulled along a pink painted sailing boat. Now, it was described as a boisterous and good-natured march. It took protesters passed no further than four government departments ensuring that the message could be heard in the corridors of power and then a section of Merrion Square South has been cordoned off for the rest of the week and by early yesterday there was about 30 tents have been erected within the park and there is Extinction Rebellion activists from all over the country because I saw one of the tents was Extinction Rebellion West Cork and the plan is that they're going to stay there for the week and there's Extinction Rebellion protests going on all over the world. I saw, for example, in London, there was about 2,000 protesters turned out, of which 100 were arrested. We didn't have any arrests in Dublin, I'm delighted to say. And while the Extinction Rebellion is keeping much of its plans for the next few days ahead under wraps, it, it, it is saying that it will stage a budget for climate justice outside the Dáil 
today and that's going to feature a female fire breather and 30 animal characters and will be choreographed by a theatre director. But our listener is wondering, uh, do these people that take part in these protests and particularly the people that are going to be staying there, the people living in the 30 tents for the week, who will be staying there for the week, are they working? No, it's very possible that yes, they do work and they've taken holidays. They've taken, they've allowed their week's holidays instead of going away on holidays being climate activists they won't want to get on a plane uh, so maybe they've decided that instead of going away on holidays they're just not going to work this week and they are instead staying in Dublin to be part of Extinction Rebellion so I mean we can't, you can't say that every single person out in that protest is not working Absolutely, I accept there's probably some of them are not uh, working, but we can't say all of them are not working. Now, there is deep concern that Cork is perceived as becoming a lawless city. The issue was raised at this week's Cork City Joint Policing Committee. City Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn says he's concerned over the increase in violence and assaults on our streets. And uh, Kenneth O'Flynn joins me. Good morning, Chicken. Uh, good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, Superintendent Colm O'Sullivan, speaking at your committee uh, this week, has said that crime trends were actually stable. But could that be, and does that show, that not all crimes are reported? Well, look, it's it's my interpretation that a lot of the crimes, that uh, the violent crimes that are going on in the city are not reported. We hear of uh, continuous fights and arguments on the street as well, and punch-ups, uh, which many go unreported. And that's the reality of Cork City. I think that's the reality um, Stats can prove anything and they can they can tell you anything, but it's very hard to record the amount of violence that's out there. And, and I think really what we have to concentrate on is that there has been a surge on very violent crime in the city centre over the last number of weeks in particular. Um, and of course, every city gets its peaks and valleys of that type of violent crime. The problems that I see, Patricia, uh, and this is being honest with you, is that we, had, we were promised an additional 10 extra guards by the... Uh, by the commissioner. They were sanctioned for Cork City to go on the beat in Cork City Centre. They were then taken away and sent to Drogheda instead uh, by the time they got out of Templemore. We've had no commitment and we cannot get no, uh, a commitment from the superintendents here in Cork because they don't have the authority of getting extra police on the streets or extra guarding on the streets in Cork City. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I think we, we, uh, there is a big breakdown in the city and we're accepting um, anti-social behaviour and we're accepting lawlessness far too much. I, you know, I've witnessed myself on a Saturday afternoon in the city centre, uh, a young man in his 20s dealing heroin uh, outside the side door of Debenhams uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon. No, and and it was, he was openly dealing. I mean, oh, there was no oh, attempt to cover. You didn't stumble across it. It, it. it was the most foolish thing because the guy had a set of earphones, you know, these cordless earphones yeah, on. Yeah. And so he was speaking louder than everybody else on the oh. street. So, you know, he was so... And he was selling this uh, heroin to a homeless gentleman who was who was who who had a cap outside, who was sitting outside the, the door of Debenhams at the side and had a cap outside collecting money off people. Somebody whose people. life is destroyed yeah. by addiction, basically. That, that, and that's the reality. That poor man. You know, no longer do I reach into my pockets when I see people on the street. And I used to, um, because, you know, you were just, were just really... F- sending money to these drug dealers and these, these people that are making a living are making a handsome living out of destroying people's lives. And the way, the way to stop that would be extra guardie on the beat. I mean, well, obviously, if there's guardie like, around, that couldn't be going on, I would like to think. There is a serious lack of guardie on the beat. You know, in fairness, we do have the guardie on the, on, the, um, on the mountain bikes going around the city here and there. But there is a serious lack of guardie on the streets. And I think we're all witness to that. 
at this particular time. The additional problem, the additional problem to that is that we have a city where we're accepting so much antisocial behaviour, where we're accepting that this is the way it is. And we shouldn't be, as a society, accepting it. That's the reality. I know Simon Coveney, speaking at a, a separate event yesterday, was asked about this whole issue of Cork City and the need, the need for more Gardaí. And he said, and I quote, there are increasing numbers of Gar, there are increasing number of Gardaís being assigned to Cork City and County. Cork is the second biggest city and it needs a very comprehensive policing plan. I think it has one. I think yeah, we are seeing increases in the numbers of Gardaí being assigned, but we need more. I mean... Well, let, me t- let, me, let me tell the Taunister, the, the Deputy Prime Minister of the country, the last 10 Gardaí that were meant to be sent to Cork were sent to Drogheda. No, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's very busy with Brexit, but he obviously doesn't know what's going on in his own city. And yeah, but the Gardaí, the powers that be in the Gardaí would say they have to send them, well, we know what's going on in Drogheda, they'll have to send them where, you know, the needs uh, are. Yeah, well, well, they can make all those arguments, but, you know, the reality is that where they're needed down here as well. And I think we have to, you know, we have a situation here and HSE and, and all these uh, uh, stakeholders have to come together. There's only, I, I believe there's only two pharmacies where... Um, Methadone can be can be um, can be um, purchased or through the medical card or given out to the medical card here in the city, which is drawing an awful lot of people into the city with drug addictions. And the reason that the HSE has given is that um, they won't supply the local pharmacies with the methadone because people might be embarrassed to go into their local pharmacy to look for it. Now, if I could embarrass somebody out of taking heroin or being a, a drug addict, I'd be delighted to do that, you know. But we have this softly, softly approach. Um, of this idea that we're offending people, that this is the norm, and we're accepting these things as the norm in a society. And we have to get tougher, and we have to have a zero-tolerance approach to antisocial behaviour in the city. And I'm not just talking about the violent crime, I'm talking about young fellas and young ones on the Saturday afternoon, 14 and 15 years of age, causing problems inside the city centre, arranging um, fights, physical fights, in various parks throughout the city and the suburbs via social media. I think you've covered that story before yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's you see, I worry, I worry about social media adding to all of this, um, Ken. You know, somebody like that, a, a fight uh, you know, happens, as you say, it might be an arranged fight. Somebody yeah. videotapes it. It goes up on social media. It gets shared, you know, tens of hundreds of times it gets shared. And then almost it's like this, it's this perception, oh, there's Cork again in another fight. Correct. Correct, correct. And, you know, Limerick, Limerick had that um, city. For, a very long, yeah. for a very long time, you know. And that's my big fear is that that would happen to the city. But we have to get a lot tougher. I, you know, I, I, you know, in fairness to the Gardaí, they had a great breakthrough recently where they arrested uh, a, a gentleman who had a, a putching, still for want of a better word, I think it was a, you know, the type of vodka he was selling to people that were uh, homeless on the, on the street. A uh, very, very high... Um, volume of alcohol in this. You know, you're talking over 60% from what I understand. And what he was doing was holding people's social welfare cards and collecting them. And they were going in and drawing their drawing their social welfare, whether it be um, Dole or whether it be... be taking the money the from them, yeah. and, he was, and he was taking the money and they were getting their alcohol then on tick. Mm. And he had a very uh, complex, well-organised, and it's organised crime is what it is, an organised crime. Uh, unit is, is what he what is what this guy was, you know. And there's three or four people in, involved in that. The guards did a raid on that, but there are more people like that. I've witnessed myself. I was uh, brought into the city centre, and I was shown a particular supermarket 
where one individual is going down and buying alcohol um, who looks quite respectable, who looks quite decent. He doesn't look like, you know, he, he has any problems. And then he's coming out, putting it into, loading it into the back of his car, driving to another destination in the city and selling that alcohol to people who have an alcohol addiction oh problem. God. They're then going out onto the street uh, and, you know, it's giving a, he's selling it at a higher price, of course, you know. Um, that's the reality of what's happening in the city. And, and to the guards, they are doing a good job. They're, they're pennies to their car. They don't have the resources here in the city that they should have. Uh, and they're not being looked after by the Minister of Justice. And there's certain Drew Harris seems to have, have forgotten when you, when you, when you, when you pass uh, Templemore, what's, what's below Templemore. He don't, I don't think he's come that south yet. Um, and I can see that from correspondence that I've had to him when I've looked for special units about other organised crime that, that is here in Cork. But we have to get tougher on it. And, I, you know, I'm sick to death of people in various positions, whether it be in HSE, Gardaí, City Council, in government units or whatever, saying to me, that's the way things are gone now. We should not be accepting that's not good that enough. The, the, the budget today where one of the leaked items is 700 extra Gardaí. that enough? Well, look, is it ever enough? Is it ever enough? I don't know. That's, that's the answer. But the fact the, the fact is that we've, we've lost 10 Gardaí. We're already on the back foot uh, of what's meant to be coming down to, down to the city. We have several positions in community policing that we've lost that haven't been filled yet. I think there's another six or seven to be filled yet that we're waiting to be filled. As as you probably know, Carrie Navarre was out without a Garda car because mm. the Garda car was um, gone over X amount of... Um, the mileage. Yeah, mileage yeah. Just, yeah, I was yeah. trying to say mileage, but I was trying, I was trying to be bad for the sake of And it was taken off the road and, and not replaced. Carmel in Blackpool uh, says... Carmel in Blackpool in Blackpool says, uh, Ken, you mentioned bikes. Carmel says, I'm sick of hearing motorbike scramblers in my estate in the last few months late at night. They're loud, they're waking people up, they're scaring particularly very vulnerable people. They're launched themselves, nobody there to stop them. And Con says, I agree with Ken. There has been a number of robberies around Roach's buildings area of Cork City in the last uh, few weeks. Something needs to be done. And, and that's the reality. And every day now, I'm hearing of something going on. Uh, I'm in several WhatsApp chats with with WhatsApp ch- uh, chat groups with residents associations. You know, standing, You know, most of us luckily enough in our lives will only be touched by something antisocial, like somebody that's annoying us by kicking a ball against the wall or scratching our car or doing something like that. But I'm hearing more and more people in these groups that younger people are getting more violent, that there's more access to alcohol, that there's more groups descending on certain areas. I'm, I'm hearing more and more about, and I'm seeing video footage, I have it up on my own Facebook at the moment, of something that happened very close to Roach's building the other night, where people are going around checking cars uh, and, trying to, and trying to get into cars. And, and intimidating people. And this is happening not just in the middle of the night now. It seems to be happening in the middle of the day as well. OK, and uh, Brendan, in, Brendan in Carrigaline, a question for Ken. Uh, it, would Ken be fearful that with Brexit, many new recruits coming out of Templemore will be sent to the border and Cork will lose out yet again, as will other Look, areas of Ireland? You know, if, if we want to talk about Brexit, it, it's a huge issue. Um, it's something that nobody really knows what's, what's going to happen up there. But yes, Absolutely, I would imagine that we'll have a very large percentage of these Gardaí. If Brexit goes away, Mr. Johnson is looking for it to go. We'll have we'll have a very big uh, border problem, 
And, you know, I think there's a lot of ongoing problems uh, when it comes to the peace process as well, up there being honest with you. Uh, Patricia, it's a, it's, a, it's a powder keg ready to blow. It's okay. not just about customs and that, and, yeah. and there there is a, an entire question of the peace process, and we can see that by what's happening in Cavan and the terrible atrocities that happened to the, that poor man that was kidnapped in Cavan not, not so long ago. Mm. Mm. And this great big fear of the unknown. We just don't know what yeah. what life will look like post-Brexit. OK, listen, uh, Ken, thank you for that. And no um, uh, thanks for joining us on, on the programme. That is Cork City Councillor uh, Kenneth O'Flynn, who in fairness always says it as it is. And he's fearful. It's antisocial behaviour. It's lawlessness. We're just, it's like we're tolerating it. Or it's just, just the way it's gone. Uh, it's just not good enough. 1850 John Paul takes your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hi there, Tommy Fleming here. This is Dominic Kerwin. Hello, this is Phil Minnebegley here. Hello, this is Robert Mazzell. Hi, this is Nathan Carter and you're listening to Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. The future of Canturk Community Hospital will come onto the spotlight this evening when a public meeting will be held at the Temperance Hall in Canturk. Joining me in advance of that meeting is local Fine Gael councillor John Paul O'Shea. Good morning to John Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, uh, And you, you're welcome. Now, for those outside of the area, describe Canturk Community Hospital. Well, I suppose Canturk Community Hospital has been in uh, the environs of Canturk and serving the people of Kentuck for many, many years, Patricia, now, as you know, a lot of our community hospitals are going uh, under a significant refurbishment programme, and Kentuck is one of those where it's currently out for planning permission to, I suppose, extend the hospital extensively uh, to go from its current uh, bed numbers to a 43 after the first phase uh, for construction, but after the final phase of construction, we go up to 77 beds. Wow. Uh, so there's a significant um, amount of investment by our government uh, in our capital plan, as far Kentuck Hospital, and I suppose that's the initial really why I suppose I am holding a meeting tonight is to I suppose organise a friends Kentuck Hospital campus uh, group because that it's, are so very it's, much I suppose part of um, community hospital status right across the county and right across the country. It is held in such very high affection by local people. Absolutely huge regard, and I brought the minister. Uh, for all the people, Jim Daly and TD, down uh, to Kenturk in October 2018, just to show them the facilities that were there. Unfortunately, the facilities aren't great, but we had a plan to progress those now, and that plan will be progressing during 2019-2020, uh, where it's currently up for planning permission and it's hoped to start construction on the refurbishment works uh, in early 2020. Uh, so there is uh, a programme of works advised, but it's very interesting to see that the Minister saw it firsthand and the level of care that's been provided there by the staff and the management of Kenturk uh, Community Hospital and the affection that it's held in in very, very high regard, uh, Patricia, by all the locals here. Yeah, and and, and I remember, John Paul, when we were uh, discussing the the HICWA report that came out uh, a couple of years ago, which had highlighted uh, major flaws, uh, and I know steps have been already taken to to improve a lot of those uh, issues. That caused upset for so many people. It is indeed, Patricia, because it's not the fault of the staff at the hospital uh, that they're working in such conditions. Obviously, the hospital has been in existence for many, many years, and it's a very old build, and uh, a, a lot of work needed to the hospital uh, to bring it to a current HICWA standard. A 
lot of people are, I suppose, finding the HICWA reports very hard to take. Um, but I suppose when we go back about when HICWA was introduced first uh, to improve residential standards, they're only doing their job for the best people, uh, for the best services uh, that the older people can get. So I think working with HICWA is very, very important as a, as a local representative, but also as management of the hospital. And they have worked very, very closely with HICWA in bringing forward, I suppose, uh, a refurbishment programme now that is going to be second to none and it's going to ensure the future of Kentor Hospital. And for many, many years to come in Kentuck. Okay, and I know there was a follow-up HICWA report in July of uh, this year showing the things that improved, but but still issues that still needs to be worked on. Absolutely, Patricia. So, like the planning commission that's currently in place uh, and is going through the process at the moment with Cork County Council uh, provides for a 31 um bedroom uh, extension to the hospital, which could provide the privacy and dignity that the that the um, uh, that the uh, people that are living in Kentuck Hospital and for their families as well. So all the families are very much looking forward to this uh, programme, but also, I suppose, as we progress to this development, it's very important that we have a volunteer group, such as the Friends of Cantor Community Hospital uh, campus, uh, that are there, and I suppose there to help out and volunteer uh, whenever it's needed. And there's a meeting tonight in the Temperance Hall in Cantor at half a date, I suppose, to encourage people that have any interest in becoming involved in that group uh, to come here and to, I suppose, outline uh, what they'd like to see in the hospital over the years to come and how they Has can there ever out. been, because I mentioned this earlier in advance of you coming on the programme, I mean nearly all of the community hospitals around the country have a, a friends of the local hospital. Has there ever been one in, in Kenturk? I believe they have uh, over the years but unfortunately they've never formalised Patricia and okay. a lot of the friends of Kenturk Community Hospital I suppose and a lot of the friends of the community hospital groupings now are part of the whole Charities Regulation Act stuff like that so they have to um, register with those to ensure I suppose there's clear and governance in that regard and uh, thankfully um, we have two people coming from the Friends of Ministry Community Hospital tonight uh, to guide us through that process because they have gone through that process as well they've had a refurbishment programme last year and they're starting phase two of their refurbishment programme now in the next couple of weeks so they are I suppose the people that have gone through the process and they will guide us tonight and the people of Kentuck and whoever will come to this meeting about how we can go about it and how we can, I suppose, the community get more involved in a facility like Kentuck Community Hospital and be proud that facility the best facility is belong to the public. So who are you hoping John Paul will attend? I mean, obviously families that have a loved one currently residing in Kentuck Hospital, you could see those being only too happy to attend a meeting like that, but you're opening it to everybody. Absolutely, Patricia. The Kentuck Community Hospital hospital service a wide variety of um, of areas uh, geographically here in Duhallow and in Arcox we're encouraging everybody from those di- different areas that if they have any interest in becoming a volunteer within the Friends of Kentuck Community Hospital uh, campus uh, to please come along we're also blessed Patricia in Kentuck that we have the Duhallow Daycare Centre which is the mental health daycare centre at the, at the rear of the hospital and um, people who are I suppose clients of that uh, residence Units are going to come friends of the, uh, of the campus as well. Right. As we'd encourage people that I suppose have family members or have any had any association with the Johalo Daycare Centre previously to come along because that's why we're calling to the friends of the community hospital campus. Because it's not just the hospital; it's the entire it's campus. All right, so and it's a wonderful daycare centre there at the back of the hospital, uh, which is also going to go under some refurbishment uh, in time. And there's wonderful clients that are getting involved within the community hospital on a daily basis. We would like to see those people involved. What well. time is your meeting tonight, John Paul? The meeting tonight is half past eight in the Temperance Hall in Kentucky. Encouraging everybody to. All right, we wish you luck with it. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us. Good.
Good morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, local Fine Gael councillor John Paul O'Shea. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, as we've been hearing all new all morning on our news bulletin, Gardaí are appealing for help in finding a woman who's been missing from Gary Vaux. Uh, Frankie Devlin is 67 and she was last seen in the area at about quarter to 11 last Saturday night. Her daughter, Erin, uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Erin. Hi, good morning. How are you? Uh, I, well, I'm very well. And, and firstly, goodness me, what your poor family must be going through at the moment. So I suppose take me back to Saturday night and what do you know or you believe you know happened to your mum? So she was down at a school reunion down in Garyville on Saturday, on Saturday night. Okay. So that's why she was, she was down here. And, and it was a school reunion? It was a school reunion, yeah. Yeah, but there was also a wedding on as well. So, like, we're just appealing to any guest at the wedding, you know, because it's, it's a big hotel, you know, if there was anybody out smoking or something, you know, the way gang takes pictures. Yeah. You know, can they just check their phones just to see if they anything. In the background of the photograph. In the background, what, yeah. what was your mother wearing? She was, I think it was a black dress and... There's a, I think it was a purple coat. Okay, and she was inside meeting up with former school friends, I take it. Yeah, she was, yeah. Was In good form? Reunion. Yeah, yeah. Good form. Happy out. And when, like she, when, when she went outside a quarter to 11, was she going home or was she going out for a cigarette or what was she doing? No, she doesn't smoke at all. <laughs> Okay, she doesn't smoke. She hadn't smoked in, in years. Okay, so she wasn't heading out for cigarettes. So she, no. But so, she's clearly seen leaving the hotel, is it, at quarter yeah, to 11? they have the CCTV of her at quarter to 11. And then after that, it's just like a vanishing act. It's just like she's disappeared into thin air. Did she go to the school reunion on her own? She did, yeah. She was picked up by her friends. And when she, she left, did she tell anyone she was leaving? I th- yeah, she did, I think. Or, but, you know, the way she probably just said, oh, I'm going and just... Yeah, I'm, he- I'm heading just, home. I've had enough. Great night. Bye. You know, yeah. gang might have just thought, oh, she got had us been organising just spent. And, no- you know, and nothing since? Nothing. Nothing. Not, no, nothing. Not one sighting. Nothing. It's just... And where... where baffling. Where does your mother live normally? Um, she lives in Balnacara. It's just a mile outside Middleton. Do you know how she had planned on getting home? I know, I know she, she went to reception here and looked for a taxi, but they said the taxi would be a while. So we don't know, did she organise another spin home or did she have a spin lined up? Yeah, or did she see somebody who she or knew? She Can you drop me off? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Has she a mobile phone? She has a mobile phone, but we haven't been able to contact that. That was um, off by Sunday morning when we tried to ring her. And because we we just wanted to see how did the school reunion go. Yeah. You know, but we we, we just couldn't even get through to her on Sunday morning. It was just going straight to voicemail. And who lives in the house with her in Balanacora? Um... 
can you say they have like an Irish divorce? Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, but she, but she, she's not, she's not living on her own. Is no, what I'm she's saying. Not living no, on her own. no, no. So, no. but, she, but she didn't come home, and then alarm bells no. started to ring. She didn't come home, and that's when kind of alarm bells because she loved her routine. You know, like she'd love leaving the house, but she liked to be back at the house at a certain time. I know. You know, like, you know, she'd have her, like, antique show. Like, you can even ring her at certain times of the day because she's like, no, I can't go off and watch some sloggish or... Oh, what, what are you ringing me now for? Yeah, Don't you know you my know? program's on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Like, so. so what you're saying is, Erin, this is totally out of character? A hundred and twenty percent out of character. This is just... It's just surreal, really, is all we can we can say. We just, we really don't know what to say. And she hasn't been unwell? No, no, she hasn't been unwell. Now, as we said in the post, she does get a bit disorientated when she's out for routine and in a new place. Okay. Now, we know Gary Vaux is local to the East Cork area. Yeah. But it's not a place that she would come down to often, you know, unless it was a wedding or, or something. And when you say she gets a bit disorientated, is she just bad with directions or does she get a bit confused? She gets a well, I wouldn't say confused, but she just probably gets herself into a panic. All right, okay. All right, yeah. I just, you I know, I, when I, she's I, out for yeah. routine, I yeah. know it's very hard to explain. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just, not doing a good job. No, no, you're doing really well. It's just, I know, for example, I have a very bad sense of direction. I mean, yeah. I just can't tell my left and my right. I'm forever getting lost in that scenario. But I'd be yeah. able to ask somebody, where am I and all that? And I wouldn't get into a panic. But I, yeah. I, I know what that is like when, when you're confused and you don't know where you are yeah. and you're just, and that's only adding, therefore, to the worries of the family. So, yeah. you you are asking people, because, you know, Gary Vaux is a popular tourist destination. There would be a lot of mobile homes and holiday yeah. homes in that area. You're asking They're, people to have a look? Have a look, even if they think it's something small, even if it's be a car that had a dash cam footage or something, you know, like, as we said, we know there was a wedding on also. Yeah. You know, so like if Gary were smoking and saw her like even walking up and down, if they could just check their mobile phones just to go through the pictures, just to see if she in the background. And did anybody see when she was last spotted at 10.45 leaving the hotel? That's where she sat on the CCTV. So did anybody see what direction she went in? Did she get into a car? Did she get into a van? Did she take a lift? She just seems to have vanished. Yeah, you can't. People don't just vanish in, into thin air. I know. It's okay. just, you know, like we're driving ourselves crazy with the washes. I know, I know. It's no very answers, difficult. No, we, we don't even have a sighting, nothing. Not a bag, not a coat. There's been nothing. Nothing found. So black dress, purple coat, and I'm assuming she's a handbag. Is she like all, all of yeah, us ladies? She she's, a, a she'll handbag, have a handbag yeah. with her. It the was a big enough handbag as well. And I know she wouldn't wear heels because she was quite tall anyway. Okay. And so she doesn't. So have, she doesn't have high heels on. And there would be. Heels. It could be like a wedge. Not even a wedge. You know. Lotion of heel. Yeah. And you in know, the bag, be, would there be bank cards? Would there be things to identify her? Yeah, she she probably would have her bank cards, and she'd have you know like there'd be like probably some money in there. There there, there would be something. 
I said, like, there's not even a trace of the bag or anything. God, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's bizarre. It's just. And have you been out around the area looking? Or you yeah, dr- yeah, no, to be fair, no, there's a big search on stage, you know, and like, we're just so thankful to the public for all the support. You know, like the Gary Vaux Hotel, the little Gary Vaux shop, the locals, you know, everyone has just been superb, you know, which has given us comfort. Yeah, yeah, and please God, she'll be found safe you know, and sound just, and you hope... even something, we'd be happy, like, you know, like if somebody said, like, any tiny bit of information, even if they want to do a confidentiality, they don't have to go to Milton Yard Station, they can get onto a radio station. And pass on any bit of information. And pass it on, like, no matter how small, or, you know, they may think, oh God, that's not going to help. But to us, it could give us the lead that we need. Okay, you know, and you something. So there's there's a search today, is there? You you said. Yeah, yeah. There's a big search now today. Uh, is it ongoing or is it this afternoon? It's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Now. So anybody in that it's, area that has some time to, if you can give up any time at all, but just check out houses as we said, holiday homes and mobile homes. Just yeah. look in your, in your property, see if you can see anything. Yeah, anything, anything. Like even if I said, even if they think it's just a small thing, but it might be a big thing. To us, because this is now what day is it? Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. And nothing. Yeah, should be three days missing tonight. You know what? Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah like, into the third day. Been, like, you know, it's been cold. It's been wet. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to think it's of her. Just, you don't want to think of her out in, in that kind of weather no, conditions. You don't. And particularly if she's confused and, and upset yeah. and, and doesn't know what's going on. No, all right, listen, we'll no. keep in contact with you, Erin, and we'll certainly right, keep you in our thoughts and much. prayers. You hang in there, all right? And I will. pass Thank on our so best much. wishes to the rest of the family. Bye bye. That bye bye. That is Erin, uh, uh, Frankie Devlin's daughter, who has been missing since last Saturday evening. If you were at that school reunion or at the wedding in the lovely Gary Vaux Hotel, did you see anything? Black dress, purple coat last seen leaving the hotel quarter to 11 on Saturday night and I think Aaron's point is you know outside hotels we smokers have a tendency to congregate so somebody may have spotted something or somebody a taxi might have been picking up somebody or somebody may have been picking up somebody to bring them home if you have any smallest piece of information let's see if we can find Frankie Devlin and bring her home safe to her family but keep her and all of the family in your thoughts and prayers please 1850 some of your comments coming in to us uh, today on old age pensions and old age pensioners it's looking like not going to receive anything in the budget this afternoon well in the weekly payment to the budget they will be giving given other things for sure uh, texter hi uh, Trish on old age pensioners all old age pensions should be means tested even though by saying that, I would be out. And that's not to say that I'm a millionaire. It's a scandal to have President Michael D. Higgins getting the same pension as a poor person who's dependent on the pension and nothing else. And that's signed by another Tim. Because we have a regular Tim texting, but it isn't that Tim. This is uh, another Tim. But in fairness, uh, Tim, we have two state pensions. You've got the contributory pension and you have the non-contributory pension. Uh, those 
and I, I'm assuming it's your good self, Tim, that's entitled to the contributory pension. You've worked all your life for that pension. You've paid a contribution. You've paid for it almost. If you haven't worked all your life, then you get a non-contributory pension. And for that, you are already means tested. So I think you're being a bit harsh on yourself and other pensioners by saying take the contributory pension away from uh, everyone. And actually, thank you for your text. I was talking to Michael DeHiggins. Michael DeHiggins came up his name in another text. Um, and this is to do with other ways of saving money for the government. Somebody says, all the TDs should get bikes. <laughs> Tell them give up their cars. And also the fact that Michael De Higgins has two cars that needs to be looked at. And then John and Cove was the John and Cove who was suggesting that rather than give old age pensioners full pension, give them food vouchers instead. And he, because John and Cove is of the belief that there are many old age pensioners who hoard their money. And he wants this, this to stop old age pensioners from hoarding their money. So one way to do it, rather than give the money, give them vouchers for food. So they can't hoard the money. They have to use the vouchers to buy food to keep them fed for the week. John and Cove is a great idea, says this uh, texter. Everyone should get vouchers in lieu of wages. Then no one would have any surplus money to do any kind of hoarding. We'd have zero inflation and everyone could live in caves. John and Cove is brilliant. He must be a cave dweller. Uh, two, like early man, no money's for those people. <laughs> Says a rather tongue-in-cheek texter. Thank you for that reacting to John in Cove. I'm sure we'll be too happy with that. Uh, 1850-333-103. I know nothing of this, but if you can send me on any information, I would be interested in the read. Somebody says, 100,000 tonnes of coal and vat-free coal. 100,000 tonnes of carbon and vat-free coal crosses the border every year and it comes down as far as West Cork. There was an article in the paper, thanks to assigned to JP. I haven't seen it. If you can give me a copy of the article, I would be interested in reading it. Pat says, Patricia, a few questions for you today. How many lives have been saved as a result of the smoking ban? According to Pat, none. How many pubs have closed down as a result of the smoking ban? Thousands. How many jobs have been lost as a result of the smoking ban and pubs closing down? Thousands. So fair play to Michal Martin for his part in our recovery, says Pat. I'll just pick you up on, you're right about the number of pubs and all that that is lost. But as a result of the smoking ban, how many lives have been saved? You talk to any of the experts who say absolutely there has been a reduction in death. Not leave the smokers out of it. And many smokers did give up because of the smoking ban. But the people who were forced to work in smoky conditions and people who ended up with lung conditions because of passive smoking. Yes. So you're wrong to say that no lives have been saved due to the smoking ban because they certainly have. have. And talking about cars and the price of fuel expected to go up from tonight because of carbon tax. Texter says, I heard a green advocate saying that a Tesla electric car was as good as a diesel car for towing. Maybe it is, but it would be cheaper to buy a helicopter. A Tesla, according to this texter, is in the region of 200,000 euros. I don't know anyone on an average wage or mortgage that could contemplate buying a new car, let alone a Tesla. I, I don't know where you're getting your figures from. So I decided I'd check out how much is the Tesla electric car because I certainly have never heard of one. Maybe the top end one is on sale for 200,000k plus. And then I found a piece and this was the launch of a car back in March of this year. It was the car that was being offered at Tesla were offering this. It was their Model 3 saloon and it went on global sale for $35,000 which broke down to 30, 000, just over €30,000 and that went on sale in the first quarter of this year. So maybe there's one Tesla car, you know, the top end one 
bit like the top end Jaguar or the top end Mercedes or BMW where you spend ridiculous sums of money. But no, there are Tesla electric cars and other electric cars cheaper than and on, on sale for less than 200,000 euro. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Healthcare assistant wanted for full and part-time roles at Breedhaven Nursing Home. While Home Instead Senior Care, they're looking for caregivers. That's in the Bandon area. Part-time bar person is wanted. That's for work in the Aherla area. And a part-time re- retail sales assistant wanted for Crystal Earth in Mallow. Now, a knowledge and interest in energy, spirituality and crystals required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, unfortunately, we were at this time hoping to speak with a doctor because we want to do a piece about Lyme's uh, disease with the worrying news that there has been a tenfold increase in the incidence of Lyme disease in the Cork and Kerry region. So... uh, we want to do a piece just as supposed to inform us all more about Lyme's disease. I don't, I don't even know how much other than I know you pick it up from a tick. But I don't know what I should be looking out for if, God forbid, I got bitten by a tick. Anyway, we had lined up a doctor to talk to us and it's always the danger when you line up a doctor because of the nature of the work that they do. Our doctor has in the last five minutes been called away to an emergency so unfortunately is not available to talk with us today so we will reschedule I promise you because I can already see when I mentioned it earlier I can already see some questions coming in about Lyme's Lyme's disease because people are worried about this condition particularly when they hear that the incidence of Lyme disease is on the increase so we will reschedule it but I just want to give it a mention uh, because I'm fearful of people who are waiting around for that particular interview to happen and it's certainly not going to happen today because as I say our doctor has been called away to an emergency and please God everything will be okay with that emergency but it does give me the opportunity to speak with a listener who has contacted the programme Uh, Jack joins me Uh, good morning to you Jack good morning Patricia Um, how are you today I'm good thank you good now you're living in a nursing home in Charleville that's right, yes. And you contacted us because I had the Minister for Older People, Jim Daly, on yesterday and we I, mentioned... I, 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 I was listening to it, but I couldn't contact you yesterday because it was a repeat of the programme that I listened to, Patricia. Very good, very good. But it's the fair deal you want to talk yes. to me about. and yeah, how... how fair is it? OK, t- tell me how fair is it. 80% of your income goes to your, your, t- towards your nursing home fees. 20% is supposed to be for you. Out of that 20%, you have to pay whatever the, serv- the daily service charge in a nursing home is. You have to pay the government prescription levy, hairdressurapodist, etc. So now, okay, what does 20% work out at? This would be 20% of the state pension, isn't it? Yes. So it works out at what? Would you have 40, 50 euro? Well, in my own case, I'm slightly more because I've... I've, um, A private pension. I have um, an employment pension as well as the state. But when you pay out everything, do you have much left? Pittance. Wow. But 
I mean, work it out, as you were saying, on, on the state pension. State pension is 248 30. 20% of that is 96. Okay. You should have 96 a week left. Okay. But when you, when you, when you, when you pay all those extras, extras out of 96, you're, you're talking maybe down to about 50. Yeah, and it, it it does it does seem unfair. In what yeah, is a fair the, deal? The, the second thing I, I raised uh, in in my email: nursing home fees. You're entitled to a tax credit. Okay. But for for 2019, the fees paid in 2019, according to the rule, you can't claim until 2020. Unless you get what's known as a concession. It's not a guaranteed entitlement to get the concession to have it paid in the current year. So my argument is, which I had with Mr. Jim Daly, who I think is doing a very good job in his position, but unfortunately he has to, he has to live with the constraints of the Minister for Finance. So you're saying that, God forbid, and we don't even want to think about it, but the year that you die, you lose, you lose, you, you lose and, and, and you're not the only one. Everyone is... Everybody is in the same position. Yeah. But I, there, is one, there is one difference. I'd say I'm in, a, in a, min, a very small minority looking after my own affairs. The majority of residents in nursing homes, it would be next to kin, so they wouldn't lose out. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say that there isn't there isn't many people actually claiming. So you claim your your tax relief every year. Yeah, but I got I got the concession last year. Oh, did you? And do you, the, do you it, get I much no back? Do you that my tax free cert uh, comes in December? Yeah, that will be included for twenty twenty. I'd probably have to go to the process of, of, of fighting it again. Is this something you did in a former life? Are you an accountant or? Pardon? Are you were you an accountant in a former life? You really seem to know your your numbers and figures. I'm an ex an ex public servant. Ah, ah, that would explain it. And how long are and you? And as I may, and I'd also like to add that the policy, from my experience as a public servant, that the entitlements are not publicised unless you know unless you find out about something, you won't be told. And Jack, is that a deliberate thing that's done? It is, because about 20 years ago, there was a booklet published, a social welfare figure four, but it was never republished because there was too much, there was too much valuable information for the public in it. My God. So there are people every year entitled to claim or get a tax rebate on something and they're missing out simply because they don't know about it. Correct. Well. Now, as, as I say, I, I, found, I found Mr. Daly very helpful in my correspondence with him. But when, when I got on directly to the Minister for Finance office, I just got a standard reply quoting what the rules were. But says you, I know what the rules are already. How long are you living in a, in, in a nursing home? Uh, uh, three years last May. And is life good? Oh, life is good. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm in it as a result. I have a mobility problem, Patricia. Okay. Other than that, my general health and, men- and mental state are perfect. Good, good. And do you do you get out and about? Or does, oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. 
And life is good and they're looking after you well. Oh, I've been... I've no, nothing, no, no complaints at all against the nursing home. It's a, it's a, my argument would be with the HSE yeah. and, the, and the finance, and Minister for Finance. And the actual, on paper, the fair deal scheme works, but it's just those additional costs that have never yes. been factored in to fair deal. Yes. That should be factored in. No, uh, I, there, there, there was a discussion earlier in the year that they were going to a proposal to make it 70 30. Yeah, I remember that. But, uh, pardon? I remember that proposal. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. But I, 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 I've heard no more on that. No, neither have I. Neither have I. And I can't see it so... No, unless they'll surprise us tomorrow or this afternoon in the budget. We'll wait and see. Will you watch the budget live this afternoon, Jack? I won't watch it no. live. I, I, because, I mean, the... The, the majority of has already been published. <laughs> I know, I know. We know it all already. <laughs> and it's, it's unless now that there is a, a, a surprise, in it, which I'm very doubtful. Uh, now we'll pick your brain on this one. Is that a deliberate ploy on behalf of the government that they leak everything so that there won't be any surprises this afternoon? I would, I would, I would t- I totally agree with that. To prepare, prepare for the worst. Yeah. And, and maybe they might give a small little sweetener. <laughs> we'll be ever hopeful of the sweetener. Listen, Jack, it was a week... No, just before you go up, yeah. Patricia. Go on. Now, the, the €5 euro increase for pensioners is off the cards. Yeah. Now, if it had been on the cards, it would have meant €1 euro to me. Because you'd have to have given up the 80% of it to the... Yeah, that's the, my argument. The only you, you will save a little bit on your subscrip your prescription charges, though they're going to reduce that by fifty cent to one that, euro per that, item. Yeah. So you'll save a bit there. You won't get the. No, there, there, there has been progress there because when I came in here first, it was two fifty. That's per right. Item. That is, it's come down. It's and come it, down. It went, it, it went down each 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 following year. And are are you on a lot of items? Would you have a lot of items every month? Four. Oh, that's not too bad. All right. So that's, not, that, that's not too that's bad. That's not too bad. Listen, it was a real pleasure to talk to you, Jack. Keep in contact with us. I will indeed. And thank you very much, Patricia. Thanks a million. Have a good day. Bye-bye. What a, too, bye-bye. bye-bye. What a lovely man. Uh, that uh, is Jack, one of our listeners, contacting us from a nursing home in Charleville. You don't often get to hear from people in nursing homes, uh, the other side of it. But good, uh, good to know that he's having, he's having a good life and he's been well looked after uh, in uh in Charleville and uh, what uh, what an intelligent man he is as well and of course to see from the other side somebody who worked as a public servant so he sees it from the other side actually just when I'm talking about everything that's been leaked out from the budget and there's going to be very little I think that is going to surprise us there is one item that came out yesterday that might cause a few jaws to drop and dare I mention the dirty word of decentralisation it seems Pascal O'Donoghue will be ordering as part of the budget an analysis of the civil service work practice in a bid to access whether more state employees could operate from outside of Dublin. Is that not decentralisation in another word? Now, he won't use the word decentralisation, but it seems the the move, it's a study will will access the civil services skills mix 
technology adaptation on the geographical footprint. And it's seemingly the demands for this has been led by the Independent Alliance Minister Kevin Boxamorn. And I heard Kevin Boxamorn talk about it uh, yesterday. And he wants that loan and Sligo to be considered as alternatives for civil servants who commute to Dublin. And Boxamorn is doing well for his area because he's already been involved in negotiating a new fund for the Midlands, which is going to involve ring fencing income from carbon tax increases. Uh, 31 million is going to be allocated to the region and it's going to help families become less dependent on fossil fuels for work and uh, home heating. Now obviously that's a lot of that is to do with upskilling members from uh, Board Nimona uh, etc. But anyway Boxer Morn is doing well for his area but I couldn't believe when I heard him talking about we should be looking at civil servants and seeing could they come and could they work in Athlone and uh, Sligo because that to me is exactly what decentralisation was meant to be all about and remember we remember the big hoo-ha of decentralisation some of it happened on a very small scale but certainly nothing happened on the scale that was intended but the big fatal problem with that one and that was something that we heard nothing about before the Minister got up and addressed the budget speech was they hadn't told any of the civil servants who were suddenly in their offices listening to the budget speech hearing that their job suddenly could be transferred to the wilds of Kerry. I come down to us here in beautiful Cork. It wasn't well received, that's for sure. So keep a listen out for that. That's something that could be a bit of a banana skin for some. For others, it could be a great move. 1850-333-103, lines open. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie C103 This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Now Saturday week October the 19th Croke Park will host a summit for young people with disabilities entitled Beyond Limits Joining me with the details of the event Stephen O'Reardon from the Ombudsman for Children's Office who are the main organisers uh, Good morning to you Stephen Good morning. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, this summit is the first of its kind to be held in uh, Ireland. What, what do you hope the day will achieve? Yeah, I suppose for us, it was just really about raising awareness around the rights of young people with disabilities. And I suppose then providing an opportunity for those young people to engage in, I suppose, circumstances and meet with individuals that they might not necessarily have ever had the opportunity of meeting. So, for example, we've got a main stage where there'll be inspirational speakers like Paralympian uh, Michael McKillop, Ellen Keane. We've got my own sister, Joanne, uh, there on the day as well. And then we've got uh, panel discussions which will look at, I suppose, family relationships, business, technology. So it's, it's a huge kind of spectrum as to allow and enable young people to know that there are opportunities out there for them and that they can be part of groups um, that essentially, I suppose, provide inclusive, inclusivity within the context of sport and educational opportunities, uh, technology development. So it's, I suppose it's a real showcase of what one can be part of and what one can do if they have a disability. Well done, well done. And I mean, it's important, is it for, isn't it, for young people that they have their own role models? Absolutely. And I think when we started the process, uh, two years ago when the Ombudsman had decided that he wanted to do it, we went out to schools in Dublin, Sligo and Cavan and then we held 
um, a workshop in our own office in Dublin as well. And essentially what we did was we met with young people from the ages of 6 up to 17. So that would be our remit in terms of what is covered under our Act. So our responsibility is to help raise awareness around, I suppose, children's rights. And an element of that, of course, is young people who have disabilities. And what we wanted to do was have a proper conversation with young people who have disabilities who are living in Ireland. And we wanted to see, you know, what obstacles or barriers are they coming up against? What types of people, as you say, are their role models? And what would they like to see at this particular event? So one of the big things for them is this, that they said is that they don't just want to see people with disabilities. They want to see people with disabilities that are involved in music that they're part of groups and that they're not excluded. So one of our massive collaborations that we have uh, is with the National Youth Orchestra, St. Paul's Special Needs School uh, in Cork, and then we've got the Blue Sax Choir in Donegal. And there's 100 young people of all abilities have come together and they've basically recomposed uh, One Republic song, I Lived, and that's a massive collaboration that we have in one of the sessions on the day as well. So I suppose it's been just a fantastic opportunity to meet with other young people who have a disability. And I suppose growing up, obviously, in my own family, as people are aware, Joanne has always been there. And yes, we are aware that Joanne has a disability, but there's other young people out there that have different types of disabilities. And how do you include them and how do you encourage them to let them know that they can be you know, the best they can be within their own environment and also have access to services and opportunities that they might not be aware of. Yeah, because I saw a, a, a piece from your own sister Joanne, you know, and particularly on this point about having role models and how important it is for a young person with a disability to see somebody else with a disability succeeding. And like she was saying herself, when she was growing up, she, there wasn't many role models. Or if they, they were there, they weren't seen. Absolutely, and I think the important thing in relation to the summit uh, in Crow Park on the 19th of October is that it actually opens up, I suppose, a world of opportunities for these young people to know that they can be swimmers, they can be athletes, they can be technology developers, they can be involved in education. One of the uh, great opportunities that we've had to do is work with uh, Ernest and Young, who are going to be one of the exhibitors on the day. Um, And basically what they're doing and looking at at the moment is creating a model for inclusive, um, I suppose, business opportunities in terms of employment for young people. So they they were saying, like, there's a lot of, I suppose, people out there that want to be employed in jobs and they have disabilities, but the opportunities aren't there. So they're currently working with Trinity College Dublin in looking at a format or a way that allows a young person with a disability to know that they too can have the same opportunities as anybody else if they leave college and they can be in the workforce in a, in a full-time job. So, like, the main stage, I suppose, is the big kind of, you know, where the showcase of the collaborations happen and, the you know, the speakers come and the panel discussions happen. But then we also have an exhibitor area and that, as I say, looks at, I suppose the opportunities that are out there in technology, in business, in education, in health, uh, in sport. So we, on the pitch, for example, you might have an opportunity to play all-inclusive uh, sport games. So, for example, we're looking at wheelchair hurling, blind tennis, wow. uh, GGA are involved. So it's a real showcase of, I suppose, what is out there for young people and to allow people that opportunity to say, you know, actually, I'd love to set up. Uh, that group in my own local area or I'd love to be part of that group that I didn't even know existed and it just allows them to know that 
they're there and they can be accessed and that, you know, there's organisations out there that want young people with disabilities to be actively involved in groups or organisations and to encourage, I suppose, their development. I mentioned in the introduction it's the first of its kind. Do you envisage this perhaps maybe becoming an annual event? I would like to think so because I think it's crucially important that, you know, that we have these conversations about, you know, services, about opportunity, about, you know, I suppose legislation within the context of, like, for example, with the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, you know, what does that mean for a young person with a disability? What does that mean for their family? And I think sometimes... Has that, has that been ratified yet? That's still not so ratified. An element of it has been ratified, but I know that the big thing that the disability organisations are looking for is the ratification of the optional protocols. And the optional protocols would allow you know, people to be able to go to Europe and, I suppose, make their case to Europe to say that certain services weren't being offered or provided. Yeah. So it's about holding people to account. But a big thing that we found in relation to the workshops and working with the young people is that language is a massive barrier in terms of how people speak to young people with disabilities. There's an automatic thinking that a person with a disability can't do something or wouldn't be able to achieve something or wouldn't be able to achieve the standard of something. And one of the things that we're really proud of, for example, is that on the main stage, we've got uh, Julian Benson, who is the judge, obviously, in Dancing, Dancing with the Stars. stars yeah. But there's two young people from uh, the Co Foundation uh, in Mallow, Jason and Karen are their names, and they're his co-hosts. And as he was saying like that, they will be doing the work that he's doing in equal measure. <laughs> and that's what it's about. It's about allowing young people to say, well, I could be a host. I could be a dancer, I could be a performer, I can be just someone that gives a talk, I can be involved in a panel discussion, I can play sports. And it's all about, I suppose, seeing it and believing it. Fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a great, great day a day out. Have you any idea on the numbers, Stephen, that are going to attend? It's always so, tricky on a first, yeah, first time. We're expecting a thousand young people with disabilities to attend. From all uh, over the country? From all over the country. So at the moment, I think we're up on 600 tickets have been sold. Wow. So there is still tickets available. And obviously, I would love loads of people from the Cork area to come up and support it and to be part of it and to see what is out there. And if anyone wants to book tickets, you know, you just go onto the website, which is beyondlimits.ie, or you can contact our office if there's any difficulty in booking tickets or you want to book a big number of tickets. Just contact the Ombudsman for Children's Office directly and we'll sort everybody out. OK, good luck with it and I look forward and to I taking say, part. Patricia, I was going to say, we've roped you in for the panel discussion. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm hanging out with Fergus Finlay. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Fergus Finlay and Shane Finn and Kerry, so you're in good company. Ah, very good. We'll see you on the day, uh, Stephen. And of course, Joanne is going to be there as well, I take it. Is she? I know she's so busy. Yeah, though. She's, she's, in, uh, she's in session. Four. She will so be there. Four, yeah, she's she's uh, she, is she full time in journalism now. Oh, sure, she's having the crack. I know that she met JP at uh, the awards. The radio awards she did. Joanne told me what happens in Kilkenny stays in Kilkenny. Oh. So <laughs> did you did you miss out on that? <laughs> I did. Unfortunately, I didn't get the yeah. invite. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that then. <laughs> All right. Listen. Um, we'll we'll see you Saturday week, uh, Stephen. In the meantime, thank you for that. And uh, thanks, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Stephen O'Reardon who joins us from the Ombudsman uh, for Children. Actually, it's a good opportunity because I didn't get, I completely forgot to mention this yesterday when we're talking about Kilkenny. It was the radio awards, the IMRO radio awards, the annual radio awards. They were held last uh, Friday night and our own John Paul, who produces this uh, programme, was there because he was nominated along with uh, Trevor Welch for the for John Paul produces the score with Trevor Welsh on a 
Sunday in 96FM and they only went and won the gold. They won the top award. So we're very proud. I mean, we know that our John Paul is fantastic anyway, so no one had to tell us. Uh, but it was great that he got acknowledged and they picked up the gold award for best sports show for 2019. So congratulations to our own John Paul and also to uh, Trevor. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your calls and comments coming in uh, to the programme. We spoke about the possibility of setting up a Friends of Cantor Hospital. The plan is there's a public meeting tonight in the Temperance Hall, half past eight, if you want to go along. And the, the hope, it's to discuss the future of Cantor Hospital on the campus, but the hope is that they will set up a Friends group. Well, that's prompted Declan Hurley to contact us in West Cork to say, Patricia, I was listening with interest to Councillor John Paul O'Shea chatting with you about Cantor Hospital were the friends the friends groups of our community hospital in Dunmanway they are the lifeline to the future of community hospitals I would urge locals to turn up tonight in Cantor and get involved it's so rewarding so beneficial to keeping those much needed care centres open and to keep them expanding well done yeah and let's acknowledge all the fantastic volunteers that work with all of the various friends groups of the community hospital. I think that every community hospital, certainly in County Cork, has one of those friends groups that do the most amazing work. Uh, it really is fantastic. Let me stay on old age pensioners for a moment and this notion and this call that it's looking like in today's budget there's not going to be an increase in the weekly payment to old age pensioners but there will be there will be some other little offerings the Christmas bonus by the way it looks like that's going to be paid to everyone and for older people living alone they could see a living alone allowance increased by 5 euro a week so the older person living alone will be getting their 5 euro it's the old person who's living, whose partner, husband or wife is still alive, they won't be getting the extra uh, five euro and that will, it, it, and by the way that increase they're already speculating that increase won't won't come in until March which is what we were talking about during the week. Everything that's to go up will go up tonight. Everything that they're giving back uh, won't be done until next March at the uh, earliest so older people living alone I think will get something but uh, the others sadly no. Now somebody had suggested wasn't it John in Cove had suggested that rather than giving increases to old age pensioners we should be reducing their pension and instead of giving them cash i.e. in a pension every week give them vouchers for food. That hasn't gone down too well. Somebody said I like to be independent Give me my own money so I can buy my own food. I would completely disagree with the notion of older people or anyone being handed a food voucher. We work for our money. We don't work for a piece of paper. Says someone very, very annoyed with that suggestion from John in Cove. And Lisa says, hi Trish, it's pure disgrace that old age pensioners will not be getting a rise in this afternoon's budget. People don't realise all we have to pay out, like house insurance, car insurance, tax, property tax, your electricity, home heating oil, petrol, food, etc, etc. I only get €197 per week and only for my family and credit union I simply would not survive some people including the government have no idea of just how hard it can be I could go on and on how anyone can be expected to survive on that €197 per week it is ridiculous thank you Nutricia and that's from Lisa who is living and that's 
197 is this, that's the standard, isn't it? Payment for people who are living on social welfare, disability allowance. That's the standard pay. The old age pensioner, the old age pension is slightly higher. But with everything you have to pay out, yeah. You have to be very clever, almost to the point of being an accountant. You really have to budget in order to survive, pay all of your bills, put the food into you to save you being hungry, keep you warm in the winter months, keep you cool in the summer months. You really have to be a very good budgeter in order to get, to make it work. Or, as in uh, Lisa's case, she also, she's been propped up and helped out, thankfully, by families. And it's good to have good families around you. You can never... Uh, it's amazing how families help families out. And we have older parents. It's not just younger people are helping out other family members. We have pa- parents. How often do we hear about that? Having parents helping out their sons or daughters when it comes to buying a house, putting the price of a deposit together, in some cases even helping to pay with the mortgage. Some of your texts, they were by WhatsApp, some of your texts are coming in. God help us. This is, let's stay on the budget. God help us. A drum of gas and a bag of coal over 50 euro cold and hunger will kill us all as all the bare as bare items the essential items I'm assuming that should be are all going up in price we won't even be able to have money for food soon says that texture. John wants to know where is this and he's using uh, another word for Minister Pascal Donoghue so I'll just replace it as a minister for the sake of calling out the text where is he going with the carbon tax diesel is way too expensive at the moment I'm a tillage farmer with plant hire and agri-contractor employing men we use a lot of diesel we have to it's the nature of the work this tax is simply going to put us off the road. This country only produces 0.15% of global emissions. What we do here makes no difference, says John, To the when you're looking at the overall problem when it comes to climate change and carbon emissions. Now, John, I don't know whether this is going to help you or not, but one of the items that's been spoken about this afternoon is for hauliers to get a carbon tax rebate. Now, it's for one year and it depends on the outcome of Brexit. If Brexit goes the way the government hopes, then I'm assuming the rebate will be taken back. But initially, there will be a tax rebate for one year on the carbon tax that's for hauliers and I don't know whether you fall into that category or, or not. If you do, hopefully it'll help uh, take some of the sting out of the pain that you will experience when that carbon tax gets mentioned this afternoon. Best of luck says supporters in Schlieve Lucra have texted in to say best of luck to Chairman Fred O'Sullivan and legal team of Schlieve Lucra Wind Awareness Group whose case against the proposed wind farm in the Ballydesmond Guinea area begins this morning in the High Court in Dublin. Thanks to Fred and the group for all the work you've done on this. God bless you all, says this texter. And it's signed the supporters in Schlieve Lucra. If you can let us know how Fred and the rest of the gang are getting on. We certainly did interviews when that first got mentioned and we, we've we've had a few interviews on from the Ballydesmond Gwynedd uh, uh, Gwilla area. They really are not happy about that proposed wind farm that's planned for the area because they're in an area where they already have a lot of wind farms. Now, a Basta Lock Dorky was found on the roadside outside Drina Church last week. If it's yours, you can get it by contacting O'Collins or T. McCarthy in Drina. So do you know of anybody who lost a Basta lock key found last week on the road outside Drina Church? You may have heard of somebody who was given out because they lost a key. Hi Patricia, this is on reducing 
our carbon footprint and on the stopping of burning of smoky fuels and a carbon tax and why we need a carbon tax. Somebody says, I suppose, I suppose it's hard for younger people to understand and imagine what it was like to actually believe or to actually understand how clean and clear Cork City air has become in the last few years from the smoke, the choking, the smog ridden days, especially the days we used to have from October to, co- to April when so many open fires and smoky coals were being used. No more dreaming, simple breathing. There's a younger generation who don't remember how bad it was, says that texter. We mentioned drugs and the scourge of drugs earlier when we were talking with uh, Ken O'Flynn. I thought he, God, he painted some dreadful pictures, didn't he, of you know people who have become just so addicted to drugs and the lengths they will go to just get the drugs. Uh, you know, down to going to a drug dealer in the middle of the street in broad daylight and just completely unaware of, you know, they could be, you know, could be caught could be a guard there around the corner but they just don't care they need their next uh, fix Heidi says morning Patricia drugs and more drugs are entering the country and the drug dealers need a way to get new customers for these drugs but what really baffles me is why are these people that buy these awful drugs and then they take their life and their life is ruined, the damage that's done to their bodies and to their organs. Why give these drug dealers money for drugs that will destroy your body, destroy your dreams for the future? These drugs come into the country from countries like South America, where people are getting very rich of your distraction. I hope and pray many will start to realise this before it is too late to turn their life around. Please, God says uh, Heidi and that's came in by WhatsApp to 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Cork ETB are recruiting volunteers to train as adult literacy tutors. The six-week training programme will commence this evening between seven and half past nine in the Q Centre in Quartertown. More information, call Marion 022-42322. Enrolment and open evening for first-year pupils will take place at Bohabui Comprehensive School tonight. That's at 7.15. And as we've already mentioned, an open meeting will take place in the Temperance Hall in Canturk tonight, half past eight to half past nine, with a view of setting up a group Friends of Cantor Community Hospital Campus. Anybody interested in getting involved in the development of the hospital and the campus over the coming years are very welcome to attend. There's bingo in Shambalimore Community Centre tonight 8.30 with a jackpot of €1,900. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service have got donor clinics in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway tomorrow Wednesday from 5 until half past 8 and on Thursday 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 on Thursday night. And the National Council for the Blind will hold a coffee morning at their premises on Broad Street in Charleville. That's happening this Thursday from 10am to 2pm. You please ask to support. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Quick look at some more of your calls coming in. John O'Donovan in the city was listening to my interview with Councillor Ken O'Flynn who was talking about the lawlessness in the city and antisocial behaviour and that there's almost an attitude in some quarters like, oh, well, look, that's just the way it is. And Ken was saying we need more Gardaí. We need more visibility of Gardaí 
on the beat so the guard that he can see what's going on and also obviously to act as a deterrent to stop some of the antisocial behaviour. John says sometimes when you're in opposition you have all of the answers. But John says if people would remember it was a Fianna Fáil justice minister by the name of John O'Donoghue who said put me in power and there'll be zero, zero tolerance to crime. But then reality happened and they weren't able to deliver it. Deliver it. John also said it's very obvious that if we have a no deal Brexit, Gardaí will be needed to go north to the border. And that, of course, is going to mean less Gardaí on the beat, even though I know in today's one of today's budget announcements is expected to be 700 additional Gardaí. And I'm assuming that's over next year maybe over the next number of years. But if we need to man a border, how many of those Gardaí will be heading north? Only time will tell. Patricia, would you please give a mention to a concert that's taking place in the Town Hall in Bandon, half past eight. The Bandon Brass Band will play along with local groups and artists and it's a native Cork Simon and the local branch of the Society of St Vincent de Paul. It's free entry, but donations are welcome to Simon and SVP in Bandon. And sorry, I've just noticed it's Friday night. Um, I just wonder when that concert that's on this uh, Friday night. Thank you for that. A lady's purse was lost in the car park of Mallow Primary Healthcare. Nothing worse than to lose the old purse. If you found it, can you call 086 3724 0863724 638. And Jonathan in Ballyvalan is agreeing with the texter who rang in. Uh, this is the people who are complaining about carbon tax and the introduction of carbon tax and we need to do more to move away from fossil fuels. And the person who contacted us, the gentleman was saying, if that's the younger generation, even though the younger generation are all for climate change, but anyone that's giving out about fossil fuels couldn't remember of what it used to be like, particularly in the city with the smog and the fumes and how wonderful it is now to be able to breathe good, clean air. Well, Johnson was listening to that comment. He's in Ballyvalan. He says, that man who made that statement is so right. I remember the days when I was growing up, late 70s into the 80s, the smoke and the smog over the cities some evenings was incredible. All the smoke billowing out of chimneys. But what brought me back recently and reminded me of those times, I was driving behind a car. It happened to be an 80s Reg car. It was a warm day and I had the window of my car down. I ended up having to roll up my car window as I could barely breathe with the smoke fumes that were coming from the car in front of me. You could actually smell the petrol. But I presume that that is what it was like. So we've come a long way when it comes to clean air. That's reminded that listener, what reminded Johnson of what it was like. I'm really surprised that that car is, if it's churning out that much fumes and smoke, how is it passing an NCT? Because isn't the NCT one of the failure rates on the NCT is to do with emissions? So it's amazing how it's actually managed to pass. But anyway, maybe it's driving around without an NCT uh, that could be the answer to that but yeah uh, nobody wants to go back to those kind of smoggy type uh, days actually talking about somebody driving around without an NCT and if you cop at the guards you know you'd end up picking up penalty points if you're driving around and fined if you don't have an NCT thought it was interesting to read and hear about something that got mentioned this week it's to do with penalty points and how would people feel about penalty points on bank holiday weekends or at other 
high risk times. In the way, the Road Safety Authority will always be able to tell us in, in advance of, you know, be it a bank holiday or Christmas, Easter, whatever it is. There's always words of advice to slow down because the statistics they are showing that more people are killed or involved in accidents at busy times of the year. And they're traditionally around bank holidays or some kind of holiday periods throughout the year. So on specific holiday weekends and public holidays, how would people feel that if you got caught breaking the law in any way on the road, you would get double penalty points? Whatever the penalty points normally is at other times of the year, if it's on a bank holiday or a public holiday and you got caught speeding, then you'll get double the penalty points that you would normally get had you been speeding on a normal weekend. It's a suggestion that's been made at a road safety academic lecture which was held yesterday and the person who's made the suggestion is the Assistant Commissioner David Sheehan and he hasn't plucked this idea out of the air. He says other jurisdictions uh, including Australia have put innovative schemes into place in South in New South Wales in Australia, what they call penalty points, they're called demerit points. And if you know of anybody in Australia, you'll hear them talk about, oh, double demerit points this weekend. So it's basically double penalty points and it applies on specific weekends, bank holiday weekends and that, for speeding, not wearing your seatbelt, not having a motorcycle helmet on, mobile phone offences, and during all of the public holidays, all of the long weekends, Christmas, New Year, Easter, if you're caught, with a traffic offence for any of the said items that carries penalty points and it's on one of those begins you'd end up with double points. The double point period applies from midnight at the start date of the bank holiday weekend until midnight on the finish date. So for example we're coming into the October bank holiday weekend in a few weeks time. So basically from midnight on the Thursday into the Friday the double penalty points will be in operation. So it'll be all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all day Monday and they wouldn't end, the double part of it wouldn't end until exactly midnight on the Monday night. That's the way it operates very successfully, can I say, in Australia. Uh, Mr Sheehan said that such a system could be looked at in an Irish context where penalty points are currently the same every day. Maybe, he said, this is something we need to change. Mr Sheehan said Ireland had a decision to make about its culture. Whether people wanted to have a culture which saved lives or where people were prepared to accept that what we do is very different to what is actually said. He said we need to look at graduated penalties for people with multiple drugs in their system and a range of measures including variable speed limits and average time over distance speed limits. So kind of a a complete... Not really reinventing the wheel, but an overhaul of the way we hand out penalty points. But the the real worry, I think it's a good suggestion, the double penalty points. I think it will make people much more. If you're driving on a bank holiday weekend and you know you stand a chance of getting double penalty points and say you already have penalty points, double penalty points could put you off the road. I think you will stop and think and you'll be very careful about your speed and very careful uh, very careful of what you're doing and not doing when you're behind the wheel of a car. But the big worry and I'm glad to see this. The, our assistant commissioner mentioning it is the people driving with drugs in their system and cannabis now is by far the most common drug found in motorists who test positive for roadside drug testing. Two out of three drivers who tested po- positive between April 2017 and July 2019 
tested positive for cannabis, according to the Road Safety Authority. Cocaine was then the second most common drug found with 37% of samples testing positive for cocaine. Of course, cocaine is a class A drug and alcohol is still obviously the most common finding in blood and urine samples. But cannabis then is very closely behind it. According to the Medical Bureau of Road Safety, roadside drug testing was introduced two years ago and that, of course, allows Gardaí to test for recreational drugs. The figures also show that of 310 motorists killed on Irish roads between 2013 and 2016, 7% had consumed cannabis, 8 percent had consumed cocaine and 11% were found positive for at least one benzodiazepine. Their downers are um, depressants. God, they're just worrying figures, aren't they? They're just worrying, but it's the amount of people that have been caught with drugs in their system. And it's not just one drug, it's multiple drugs and multiple drugs can be mixed with alcohol as well. 1850, stay safe out there, folks. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking the calls. We text WhatsApp Egfoilemach <laughs> Joe Heffernan joining us uh, just as the sun comes out here it's a nice bright afternoon good afternoon to you Joe good afternoon Patricia uh, nice. and it's like that here yeah too. it's lovely it's, it's great to get a bit of awesome sunshine yeah um, and listen we can't be complaining the weather hasn't been too bad at all okay today now we are looking at lifestyle awareness now we've got 14 different topics that we would consider when we're thinking of lifestyle awareness so we will do our best to get through the the first seven we'll split it up over the next uh, two weeks so we're going to start at the very first one where we we're all aware hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. That we're our own worst critic. And what, what does that do for us? Well, it can bring us down. It can ruin a day. We can be very hard on ourselves. And it would help us to be a little bit, maybe, uh, you're a less self-critical. Um, 
I, I think I often say to a person would be like, if this was a good friend of yours now, what would you say to them? And the answer um, about any given issue, and the answer is usually much more gentle, much more kind than what the person is saying to him or herself. So that like, that we need to recognize that we're only human, um, that I mean, let's face it, most of us, we're doing our best and uh, we're not going to get everything right and neither are we going to get everything wrong. But, like, to to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. And, yeah, it's, and that, it's that wonderful saying that, you know, just to be kind, be gentle with with yourself. And I, and I think you summed it up really well. We have a tendency, we'd, we'd never be that critical of somebody else. We'd never be that critical of another family member. It's certainly never that critical of a very good friend. So it's to try and treat yourself as you would treat others. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we're all going to make a, a bit of a mistake here and there. We're all going to have, um, uh, you know, a bit of a down day. We're all going to have maybe a day that there were, uh, uh, and we'll talk about it at number two, that they were, uh, should have done this, should have done that, should have done the other thing, didn't do them. But, you know... Tomorrow's um, another day. Tomorrow is another day. And um, I had some stuff to do there now last week, and um, I didn't do it. Um, I, I just wasn't in the mood um, and I was given out to myself in that. But you know what? I got it done this morning. So it's done. Now, there is a good relief in that. I, I feel better about the fact that it well, is do. done. But mm. you're right, I didn't let it ruin the weekend either, do you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's something we all have to work on. Because, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that we need to practice a kind of a more nurturing inner dialogue. That the... The, the 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 messages we give ourselves, the talk that we have with ourselves, um, should be that bit kinder again, a bit more um accepting that um that we have limitations and yeah. that we're only human. Yeah, and to beware of the shoulds, the musts and the have tos. I have to do this, I should have done that, um I must I do must that. I must do that. Do you know um to be just a little bit careful with them because... Um, now, that doesn't mean you give up and do absolutely nothing at all. Oh, gosh, no, far from it. But, like, that um, may- maybe we won't get it all done today, but that we will do um, whatever is necessary today. Now, it might be necessary today to have an easy day. It, it That might be exactly what one needs and to not be guilty about that. We we all need a little bit of time out, and we can't be available um, immediately all the time. And um, uh, there are those of us, and I would say, you know, I'd be in the club of um, finding it very hard to say no. But um, as the old body gets a bit older, and that, you know, that... Uh, we we can't do as much as we used to do. And maybe to gently acknowledge that and to say, look, um, you know, uh, maybe, uh, may, may, maybe it's time to take things just a tiny little bit easier without a big guilt trip about that. And it goes back to the words at the, at the top of our page today, awareness. It's being aware of that. 
being aware and like as you could see there um with um uh what we were saying um previously kind of like we are aware um and and we you know and the, the we're aware of the importance of being gentle with ourselves and we are aware when we start with the shoulds and the musts and the haftas that we we're just aware of the fact that we're um we're in the self critical mode we're in the drive on mode and um and le- like you say in case now that we'd kind of be um letting ourselves off the hook with everything um no they, they, there are things that need to be done but there are some things that are important and urgent and there are other things that are important but maybe they're not that urgent like the work that I got done now this morning should have been done last week but it didn't suffer one bit over the fact that it was done a bit later the only risk was that it wouldn't be done at all and and it was so that's okay you know yeah and on that sort of be kind and be gentle with yourself and having an awareness of the need to be kind I was looking at somebody I would know who's um, battling or struggling that's probably the best word not battling she's uh, had a recent bereavement and yeah, I could see her on social media not coping too well with the with the bereavement and bereavement is such a difficult and, and a tricky time but what instantly sprang to mind for me to get the message to her you know, be kind to yourself you just need to be gentle with yourself more yes. than ever, I think, when you're going through a bereavement. Yeah, and to realise that there are no, there, there, there isn't a set um, uh, um, rule of grief. Um, everyone is individual. Some people will find that this would help, another person would be appalled at that and would say, oh my God, and would find that for something completely opposite would help. And both of them are right. No, um, no right or wrong way to do grief. That's for sure. Absolutely not. And but if that persists, um, it would be a very, very good idea to go and talk to either a bereavement group or a bereavement counsellor, um, because uh, it's not good if one is finding it hard to cope to do it all on on one's own. Okay. Yeah. Now, number three on our list today is uh, we are aware of the importance of being in touch with and expressing our feelings. Yeah. Um, that that we kind of, that we realise how we feel and that we are not acting out, as it were, on feelings that we haven't looked at. Um, you know, uh, I, I was talking to uh, a friend that I trust recently. I, I shared this with John Paul um, uh, back there a couple of weeks ago. Um and, uh, you know, he listened away to what I had to say. And then he just said, um, so you were feeling hurt. And, you know, that was all I needed to acknowledge. Yes, I was feeling hurt. And um, there was no big sheets of advice going with it, how to deal with it. or anything like that. It was just an acknowledgement of how I was feeling at the time. So, like... Being in touch with that, and sometimes if we can't name it ourselves, having it named for us is good. Um, and to allow ourselves like, to experience the feelings that we're having and to acknowledge them. Um, like, if I'm feeling hurt, that I don't start off with, I shouldn't be hurt. If I am, I am. And um, not to either judge it or, or deny it. But to kind of um, 
to to accept that that's where I'm at at the given moment. Um, uh, it, it's like I think it's in I think it's sort of existentialist philosophy about um, our, our, it's also a mindfulness um, uh, belief or, or suggestion is that if it's raining, we say mm. that one can say it's raining. Yeah. And that there's no big therefore onto it. Therefore, that's awful. Therefore, oh my God, it shouldn't be raining. Yeah. A, to just say it's, it's raining. raining. Yeah. And, and it's a fact. And, and that if we are feeling angry or hurt or happy or this or that or the other thing, to just acknowledge it and that it doesn't say anything um, judgmental uh, about us. That it just is a fact. Um, like w- with me that time now, I was feeling hurt. And, yeah, and I was able to acknowledge that um, without it making me a bad person or a good person or any other kind of a person. It just meant I was a hurt person at that time. And, yeah. you, and you learned to move on from it, but just to acknowledge and accept that the hurts did happen. Yeah, or even if I didn't move on um, fairly soon or even yet, <laughs> um, uh, that I would accept it. I, I accept it in the knowledge that, um, that, that that's what's wrong. Um, that if I'm not feeling all up and at it and feeling, you know, conquer the world kind of thing, no. I'm feeling hurt these days, and um, and uh, and that's okay. It's okay to feel hurt um, once I know it, and once I don't um, do anything wrong with it. I mean, the fact that I'm feeling hurt doesn't mean that I can go out and attack someone um, uh, uh, or, or something like that. So, uh, as they call it, acting out. But just to acknowledge and to be aware. I think this awareness is a great word that we are aware um, of A or B or C or D in our life, to just be aware. Um, there's an old saying in Gestalt therapy that awareness is curative. Well, of course it is, because if, if we have something that's troubling us, well, I mean, if, if we're just going on pure feeling and we don't know what's going on, well, then there isn't much we can do about it. Um, so awareness is a big one. Okay, I tend to, we have a tendency to take life at a fast pace, and a lot of a lot of people will identify with this. Yeah, yeah. Today's world, I suppose, we're all rushing. We are no time about. to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be great, wouldn't it, to be just able to take it easy, slow down, make a cup of tea, or call it somewhere to have a cup of coffee, or something in that line without being flying, flying, flying all the time, um, all the time as it were, chasing our tail, trying to catch up. Um, uh, it kind of ties in with the other three above, doesn't it? Like yeah. being gentle, getting, uh, <laughs> viewing the shoulds and the musts and the haftas with a bit of a jaundiced eye and, um, and being in touch with how we feel. And... Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be blessed in any way now with patience. Um, uh, I, I'd be I'd I'd be a kind of a I don't know a three out of ten um, for 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 patience. But um, you should sure even be aware have, of that. Have, isn't too bad. Yeah, and have you always been like that, or is that something with age? Your patience level is deteriorating. Um, 
Or, it's, it's Mary, your I, wife, I should be asking this. I'd say I've become less patient as time goes on. Okay. More cranky, more <laughs> irritable. Yeah, a bit of a pain in the butt at times. But you but have awareness of it. I have an awareness of it. And, um, and you know, uh, and sometimes I actually do something about it. Mm, good on you. <laughs> I mean, say with the driving now and the red lights and the the... the the tractor in front of you doing thirty kilometres an hour and and all of that. I I'm work I'm 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 what do they call it? I'm a work in progress to do with that kind of stuff. And deep breathing but, um, and relax. Yeah, and I'd be very aware of um, something that needs to be done. There, there, there would be, you know. I mean, I'd be talking there about the shoulds and the haftas and the must. Sure, I'd be as guilty as anyone listening for for all three. Um, do you know? that email that I need to send. But um, what I find is that uh, <laughs> when it bugs me enough, eventually, anyway, the email gets sent. And um, as they say, what is it? We never died a winter yet. Ah, uh, Yeah, and, and you're better off getting it done at the start because it just, as you said, just plays in your mind and you're thinking you about are, it. You, get, often get talk away. About, um, yeah. you, you, you often talk about uh, things that we need to do in the day. Do and you, you, you often say to get rid of the one that you'd least look forward to. First thing first. in the morning. And yeah. don't have it hanging over you. We're, yeah. we're aware that we sometimes can feel out of control of our lives. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I suppose the serenity um, uh, comes into it. Um, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Like, um, as you know, like, there was a, there was a situation entered our lives um, in 2018. Um, and, uh, yeah, not alone did we feel out of control with it, but we were out of control with it. There, 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 there really isn't very much that we can do about it. Um, does that mean we ignore it? Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful, but can't do that? Of course not. One is aware of the, the stuff that isn't good as well. Um, and, and it can leave us, um, or it can do all sorts of things. Well, one day down, totally one day angry, I mean, one day... Hmm? This is your, your son's diagnosis yeah. of cancer. Yeah. It just, it rocks your world. It does. Yeah. And the cloud is always there. It doesn't matter whether you're on a happy day. It doesn't matter even if you're inside in the cinema at a film. Um you know, some word or some little trigger will happen. No, maybe not all the time. I'm not sure. But uh, the odd time. And, oh, yeah, that's there. All right. It's like the clouds in the sky. Um, you know, it is very rarely that we'd have such a blue sky that there wouldn't be a cloud pass. And that's like that. That's your mind for the day. And the the, the, the the odd cloud will pass. Then there'll be days that is completely clouded over. And then there'll be days that is lashing rain um, uh, as a mindset. And, um, yeah, you can feel trapped and you can feel helpless. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we have to keep going. And one puts one leg in front of the other. Uh, maybe um, go to the uh, old diary and, um, you know, draw a few lines through a few days and take a bit of time out. Maybe um, book a holiday for the coming uh, year or winter or whatever. Yeah, 
um, like life does go on. It doesn't mean that you lie down and um, and give up. Um, so and not to feel a bit guilty yeah, if yeah, there's a good day going. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah, and and you just learn to live with it. Somebody who's saying, listening with interest to it, Nora says, "I'm really not feeling well today, and I've decided, having listened to this, I'm going to have an easy day." Good on you, Nora. Yeah. Good, good on you. Yeah. Okay, we are aware that we often choose avoidance as a way of dealing with difficult situations. Again, all of us would be guilty of this at some stage. We would, we would, and that can be anything from filling in a form to making a phone call to writing a letter. Uh, to sending an email, whatever it is. There are some things that, like, ah, we just don't feel like doing them. And um, so we we avoid them. Now, in the more more very serious areas with the word avoidance, like, would be like trauma, where the the three issues that happen are avoidance, intrusion, and hypervigilance. Um, again, the simplistic, very simplistic uh, example of the avoidance would be I had um, uh, a road traffic accident between Mallow and Cork. So now I'm going out of my way and going the old Cork Road and all of that um, because every time I pass that particular place, um, it triggers the old trauma or maybe bad feelings. It could be um, where somebody, where a loved one had an accident or something like that. So that would be kind of um, classic avoidance. But uh, av- avoidance, um, it could be somebody that we need to have a word with. It could be something that needs to be said that mightn't be the most pleasant either to be saying or to be hearing. But um, avoidance Mm, avoidance doesn't help. Absolutely. I mean, okay. you, you, you know that old saying that we all hear about um, push, pushing it under the carpet. Yeah, and we all um, are burying our heads in the sand. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've got to wrap it up there. Marie uh, said that she was blaming herself for something that happened in her life and she was taking the total blame. Suddenly one day her husband acknowledged that Marie wasn't the only one to fully blame. There was two of them uh, involved. It did yeah. make a difference and it brought light to me says uh, Marie well done okay we leave it there Joe listen have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week we will indeed thanks for joining us that is Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui and his number is 029 that's 029 and we'll talk with Joe again next week and we'll pick up on the rest of the lifestyle uh, awarenesses now before I go have I about a minute left just to wrap up on some of your thoughts uh, coming in. Jonan from Moy says, I think a lot of today's budget and what we're expecting to hear this afternoon is due to the Children's Hospital oh, and the expense associated with the Children's Hospital. Hadn't thought about that one, uh, Joan. Brexit keeps getting mentioned, but the Children's Hospital is crippling the country with the various changes and the cost of it constantly going up. Could this afternoon's budget be reflected in some way I suppose some of the costs will be attributed to the to the children's hospital how much of it I don't know only time will tell OK we're going to have to wait and see it's one o'clock today that uh, Minister Pascal Donoghue will start the uh, speech we will look at it in more detail tomorrow on the programme and as always we will welcome your thoughts and comments throughout the morning uh, if there's any of you been affected in any way by this afternoon's budget hopefully there'll be 
I can't say it's going to be a little bit for everyone, but let's hope that nobody gets too badly hurt by today's budget. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Until then, um, I'm Patricia Messenger. Thank you to John Paul McNamara for producing and Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Every single morning, I talk to people from all over Cork. Catherine from Balneen. Mayfield. In Skibbereen. Carmel from Rathcarbury. From Whitechurch. And no matter where you're from in the Rebel County, this is the morning soundtrack for you. Back tomorrow from 6 o'clock, €1,740 Euro could be yours. And everything you need first thing in the morning in Cork is here. See you tomorrow. See Hey, Ohio, have you heard the buzz? Slinger's Signature Cocktails are the new go-to to to go. Slinger's are convenient, canned, cocktail-inspired flavored beverages that bring you delicious flavors like Bahama Mama, Peach Screwdriver, and Pineapple Punch with 8% ABV. They pack a punch at a price you can't beat. No time to make fancy cocktails? Don't want to break the bank on a night out? Slingers has you covered. Blast your taste buds, not your wallet. Grab Slingers today. American Fermentation Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.